Lil Desperandum presents The Bookshelf. Hello, and welcome to The Bookshelf, the first in what I hope will be an ongoing series of book recommendations for Nil Desperandum. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Adam. I write, act, and occasionally direct. I live in Bermuda, hence the accent. Your host discovered me via Yog Radio, a horror and weird fiction podcast occasionally delivered via yogswathoth.com. He kindly invited me here, so whatever else happens, please blame him for the result. The Bookshelf is a series of recommendations, not reviews. I pick stories from my collection that I think may interest you, and I'll tell you all about them. I'll never recommend a book I haven't read or enjoyed, so even if I criticise the plot or characterization, you should know that I wouldn't be talking about it at all if I didn't like it. I'm well aware that my tastes are not for everyone, which is why I give a short list of pros and cons at the end of each shelf. I hope you find those useful when deciding whether or not that particular book is for you. Now, on with the show. The book this time out is The Beetle by Richard Marsh. My copy is a 2007 Wordsworth, but this was originally published in 1897, the same year that Stoker gave us Dracula. It is available via Gutenberg, and there is an audio version. Like Dracula, The Beetle is told in a series of flashback narratives by its cast, which include... Richard Holt, a tramp and the first voice of the novel, Sidney Atherton, a vitrolic scientist, Marjorie Linden, the thoroughly modern heroine, and Paul Lessingham, Member of Parliament, and the target of the villainous beetle. One other character has a minor role to play, Chapnall, the policeman, and the voice who gives us the epilogue. They are opposed by a shapeshifter and mesmerist, the beetle, who may or may not be entirely human. The Beetle Hates Lessingham, who, when the novel begins, is one of the most prominent politicians in Westminster. However, years before, Lessingham was inducted into an occult society in Cairo, dedicated to the great goddess Isis, and participated in their orgiastic ceremonies, including human sacrifice. Lessingham eventually rebelled, murdered the priestess, and fled, but not far enough for the Beetle has tracked him down than means to exact revenge. When first written, The Beetle was as popular, if not more so, than Dracula. It could be argued that the two novelists, Marsh and Stoker, had similar careers. Both are remembered only for one novel, though they wrote many. They chose broadly similar subjects. Ancient evil from the mysterious East with a sexual subtext come to the new modern world, and told their stories in much the same way, as narratives from different narrators. Both are also thoroughly Victorian in a way modern novelists apparently can't quite capture. That is, they see their day as being modern, forward-thinking, and scientific, where a storyteller writing today can't help but make a gaslight story seem musty, fog-wrapped, and somehow ancient. However, Stoker's story survived, thanks, I suspect, at least in part, to the efforts of Universal Studios, while Marsh's Beetle sank almost without trace. There is a 1919 British silent Beatle movie, but I have never seen it, and I don't know whether it's sold commercially. Certainly Kino and Eureka, the two sources I go to for silent movies, don't have it listed. The movie was directed by Alexander Butler, a name I don't recognise, and whose career seems not to have survived the silent era. The Internet Movie Database has him down for 64 films, over 20 of which were produced in 1925, and... Judging by the titles, uh, hung without evidence, her great mistake, should a mother tell, uh, Butler was a melodrama man. Uh, pity the Beatle didn't get picked up by a German expressionist. That might have been something to see. 
Now, consider this, Richard Holt's first encounter with the beetle. Slowly the eyes came on with a strange slowness, and as they came they moved from side to side as if their owner walked unevenly. Nothing could have exceeded the horror with which I awaited their approach, except my incapacity to escape them. Not for an instant did my glance pass from them. I could not have shut my eyes for all the gold the world contains, so that as they came closer I had to look right down to what seemed to be almost the level of my feet. And at last they reached my feet. They never paused. On a sudden I felt something on my boot, and with a sense of shrinking, horror, nausea, rendering me momentarily more helpless, I realized that the creature was beginning to ascend my legs to climb my body. Even then, what it was, I could not tell. It mounted me, apparently, with as much ease as if I had been horizontal instead of perpendicular. It was as though it were some gigantic spider, a spider of the nightmares, a monstrous conception of some dreadful vision. It pressed lightly against my clothing with what might, for all the world, have been spider's legs. There was an amazing host of them. I felt the pressure of each separate one. They embraced me softly, stickily, as if the creature glued and unglued them each time it moved. Time to talk pros and cons. Pro 1. This is Victorian occult ghastliness at its finest. The villain is thoroughly villainous, the heroes and heroine believable and sympathetic, and a large cast of characters means no one is safe. Any of them could fall victim to the beetle, and the story could still go on. Pro 2. The plot rattles along at a cracking pace. As it's told from the perspectives of different narrators, we occasionally see the same scene from different points of view. Which is an interesting Rashomon-like concept, we can never be sure, right up to the climactic explosion, what will happen next. Pro 3. The choice of villain is particularly interesting. The Victorians were obsessed with Egypt, and new discoveries of ancient rites and ceremonies for the dead were to them front-page news. Here we have a creature, the beetle, which practically embodies Egypt, almost as much as mummies and pyramids do. But Marsh uses his antagonist in a very interesting way which I shan't go into for fear of spoilers. You'll have to read it for yourself. Con 1. It is a very Victorian novel. Class and race assumptions are all present and correct for their time. That may put some readers off. I will say it's nothing like Saxe Roma's Fu Manchu Yellow Peril stuff, if that's any help to you. But again, I don't want to go too much into the plot for spoilers' sake. Con 2. Those expecting... Dracula-style chills should beware. Though the plot is bound up with Egyptian myth, there are no expeditions to the heart of the pyramid, nor are there picturesque villages with their superstitious inhabitants. All the action takes place in modern Victorian England. One final point, if I may. I recommend The Beetle to those who enjoy gothic chills and Victorian drama, with a touch of scientific experimentation and mesmeric villains. It's an old-fashioned story and a period setting, with a quick-fire plot and a great smash of an ending. If that sort of thing appeals to you, well, I hope you enjoy The Beetle. That's it from me. Bye-bye. Nil Desperandum is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Editor and publisher is Jim Phillips. Audio production in cooperation with the Bear Crawling Nation, engineer Hugh Morrison, and executive producer... 
Charles McFall.